You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your ears. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, back for another Monday of Blue Jays talk. This Monday Musings edition of the podcast. Obviously, there's one big topic that we are going to discuss. It's a subject that I wrote about earlier this morning on jaysfromthecouch.com. But I want to save that for the second half of the show. So let's begin with just an overview of the things that we learned from the Blue Jays series against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay took two or three from the Blue Jays. And... It was a series that was mercifully quick, even despite Tampa Bay's best efforts of prolonging it with like pitching change after pitching change. Um, each game finished under three hours, so that's a win. Yay! Um, but yeah, it it was a series where a lot of the Blue Jays' problems this season were, like, fully crystallized. Like, I I said on Twitter on Saturday night, that Saturday game was a perfect distillation of everything that's been wrong with the Blue Jays' season. And it started early. It started with a pair of runs scoring, including one based on an error by Kevin Pillar. And... It had base running issues. We had hit and runs failing. We had players being picked off. We had a pitcher doing all right enough, but not getting the support behind them on defense, and most certainly not getting the support with the bats. The Blue Jays only had 13 hits in 39 innings in this series. It's amazing they got a win with that kind of offense, but it was just abysmal to watch Blue Jay after Blue Jay go to the plate and just be mowed down with ease. Blake Snell on Friday only needed 47 pitches to get through five innings. He was that nasty. He he had a perfect game going when Tampa Bay took him out because he just got off the injured or the disabled list. And I don't understand how the Blue Jays can continue to go to the plate and be so hyper-aggressive when it does not work out. It it just baffles me that there's, there's this inability for Blue Jays batters to just sit back and let a pitcher pitch to them. Like, like let a pitcher tire themselves out. Blue Jays are jumping all over every pitch. I don't know... Why? I I don't think anyone on that team other than Curtis Granderson is guaranteed a first pitch fastball. And that's only because Grandy doesn't swing at first pitches because he developed his batting eye. But it's just insane that none of the Blue Jays seem to want to, you know, make a pitcher work. In, in the Saturday game, like... I don't know how many times, like, pitcher after pitcher coming in, and you think, okay, the Blue Jays are going to hang back a little bit. No. No, absolutely not. Um, 
Richard Urania saw five pitches into at bats. All of them were strikes. So whether or not that's of his own creation, swinging at pitches that should not be strikes because the Blue Jays are being so hyper aggressive, it's just baffling that that they don't want to make pitchers work. And even in the Sunday game, Russell Martin and Alemis Diaz both went one for three. They saw an average of 2.15 or 1.6 repeating pitches in those at-bats. That That's not a good way to, to help your team. It's not a way to successfully wear down a pitcher and and force your way into that bullpen, especially against a team that's already deploying the bullpen. So you want to try and make these pitchers work before Kevin Cash gets the hook out and brings him in. And the Blue Jays just refused to do that the entire series. They were jumping all over every pitch. And it was depressing to watch, especially against guys who should not have that kind of respect. Jamie Schultz was in there twice, and the Blue Jays finally made him throw pitches on Saturday, and they got a run in that Saturday game off off of Schultz. They manufactured that Aledmus Diaz home run, which, yeah, that that's the only way that the Blue Jays can seem to do it, and it's a problem because that's not how good teams win ball games and I had a conversation on Twitter about this um with Doug Gollop at Douge seventy seven who when I when I said Sunday that the Blue Jays were able to outray the Rays when they created runs via an RBI ground out and, and speed. Kevin Pillar using his speed to get home on, on that Randall Gritchuk grounder. When, when I talked about that, Doug noted that homers are good, but you need to be able to score when the long ball doesn't happen. And that's, that's entirely correct. It's why Boston is the best home run hitting team in the league, but they are so good offensively that they can create runs and deliver extra base hits and move runners into position with their bats. That's why they have the highest scoring offense in the league. That's why they're like 50 games above 500 right now. Because they they are able to beat you so many ways. Even when the pitching's not firing. Even when Rick Porcello is out there throwing batting pa- practice. Even when Drew Pomerantz is out there only lasting two, two innings. So... It, it's something that the Blue Jays need to work on. And admittedly, with the talk of regime change at the end of the year, with John Gibbons not sure if he's going to be back next year for the final year of his contract, Brooke Jacoby definitely has to be on his way out the door. He needs to be held accountable for a pair of seasons where the the, hey, let's slug it out approach doesn't work because they don't have anyone in Encarnacion anymore. They don't have Jose Bautista. They didn't have Josh Donaldson this year. And that's been a big problem with the offense as well. But just just all of it highlights the need to be able to diversify this Blue Jays offense and get it in a better position to take advantage when those home run threats do come back, when Vlad Jr. is brought up. Um, when Bo Bichette's up and able to hit doubles, 
for this team. So that that was my big takeaway from the Rays series, that the, the Blue Jays' offense is bad. I know. Shocking. Well, we'll talk about one of the ways it can improve immediately right after this. Okay, so the big news in Blue Jays land is that we get a pair of debuts tonight against Kansas City in new pitcher Sean Reed Foley and new catcher Danny Jansen. Now, Jansen was called up yesterday, as my source told me on Saturday night. He was called up yesterday with Jan Hervis Solarte heading on to the DL. But he didn't appear in yesterday's game, and he didn't have to because the Blue Jays were doing all right, and they won, and happy, happy, joy, joy. But, yeah, so now the Blue Jays are starting to get a look at the future of the team. And it's something that fans and analysts alike have been asking for for months, like, when is Danny Jansen going to come up? Why are we having bullpen games? Why is Mike Hoshaw being signed when Sean Reed Foley's in the system? Like, like just so many different calls for for this youth movement. And as I wrote earlier today at Jays from the Couch, it seems like the Blue Jays are finally into that mode, into that rebuilding kind of mode where the youth does start getting time. And Jansen's a very high prospect for for this team. Top 10, obviously. Both, both him and Reed Foley are top 10. But they've showed that they can at least look like they can contribute and, and importantly, learn. Because that, that's the thing for the Blue Jays this season now, and probably next season as well. It's about learning. It's about putting a team in place that's going to contend when that game changer is in the lineup, when Vlad Jr. comes up and is a part of the Toronto Blue Jays. So trotting out a bunch of 4A players, a bunch of retreads, was never going to be a intelligent way of moving forward with that plan. So seeing these players come up and it, it started earlier this year it started when Teoscar came up which he was expected to be up from the beginning anyway so whatever it made sense to have him up but it really kicked into high gear when Lourdes Gurriel was called up and given all that playing time in the infield because again they think he can be that versatile kind of guy he's getting all his time at shortstop now but you wonder where Bo Bichette's going to be playing if Devin Travis is going to be a part of this future Blue Jays team. So it makes you wonder how, how that's going to go. But the only way you're going to find out is by playing these guys, by getting them out there and, and getting them that kind of experience. When the Blue Jays committed to Gurriel in July, saying he's going to be every day for the rest of the year, that's huge. That's exactly what the team needs to to be doing. It needs to be getting these guys out there. When they called up Ryan Barucki in July, it was forced because all the starters were injured, but look at the results that Barucki's been able to put up with this MLB playing time, with this faith, with this new approach that he's been able to adapt to Major League batters. Barucki, who was kind of an afterthought prospect heading into like two years ago, is now proving he can be a part of of this Blue Jays future. He can be someone who means you don't have to go out and sign 
a starter for $10 million who turns out to be a six-inning relief guy. You can put this guy out there and have him be effective and and eat innings without having to burn five bullpen arms. Like, and and it feels like the front office and John Gibbons, and I, I don't know how much Gibby fought against this. I know the front office knew that it had to try and put something around Josh Donaldson to contribute while Josh Donaldson was a Blue Jay, but since Josh Donaldson hasn't felt like a Blue Jay since, like, April, it makes sense to go the other way and go put these prospects up and, and get them that experience. And now they're finally doing it today with Sean Reed Foley and Danny Jansen. So I know that Jay's from the couch writer and occasional guest on the podcast, Roy Widrick, he's going to be looking for them to kind of maintain that approach. Uh, at least Jansen at the plate, Reed Foley might have to adjust to MLB pitching or sorry, MLB hitting, which it's the Royals, so, you know, how much MLB hitting he's going to face is debatable. But he's looking for them to make that adjustment. And it's better that players like Jansen, like Reed Foley, it's better they make that adjustment now as opposed to trying to do it on the fly when you might be expecting to contend. Again, you, you look at... Vladimir Guerrero Jr. went 0 for 4 last night. It's the first time I've seen him, seen him gone 0 for all year, I think. Which, you know, maybe proves that he's not, you know, ready to take Mike Trout's status as best player in MLB just yet. But when he makes his adjustment and when he's ready to come up, again, you want the older guys, your your Danny Jansons, your Sean Reed Foley's, to be in place and know what they're going to do. You don't want everyone trying to figure it out on the fly, because you're going to have that. Because TJ Zoyk is probably going to be a 2020 player. Nate Pearson is going to be a 2020 player. Um, Jordan Groshans and, and Adam Kloffenstein, they're going to be 2021, 2022 at the earliest for those guys to be ready to contribute. So you want the older prospects that you have, your Jansons, your Reed Foley's, your Pannons, your Guriels, to have things figured out by then so you're not trying to get everyone adjusted. So I'm excited to watch today's game be- between the Blue Jays and Royals. I-, I haven't really said that in a while, except when Baraki is pitching, obviously. But it is what I'm looking forward to for this season. And I think... A lot of fans are as well. And again, that's that's what we have going forward in the series. It's just this kind of hope that there are those brighter days ahead. And I think that's going to end it for today's episode. This is going to be a short episode. I Again, I, I burned a lot of creative energy on writing, I guess. So please check out my piece, The... Blue Jays seeing the first rays of light on their new dawn. And check it out on jaysfromthecouch.com. Give it a comment. You know, retweet it, whatever you want to do. And if you want to get at me directly without having to go through the comment section, follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's NeoAC18. And just say... You know, yay, I'm looking forward to the future. Or no, we should be looking for the next Jared Saltalamachia. What, whatever you want to talk about, I'm usually open for it. So 
don't be afraid to hit me up. Follow this podcast at Locked On Blue Jays and get all your daily links to this Locked On Blue Jays content that I am happy to deliver to you all every day. And, you know, like I said, there will be some things coming up in the next couple weeks as we approach episode 100. Can't wait to, you know, spring that on you fine listeners. So until then, thank you all so much for listening to Locked On Blue Jays. I'm Ryan Andrews, and y'all take care.